Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. That's right. This is a little tidbit for you guys to keep you guys satisfied or maybe preoccupied until we come out with season four of the podcast. We are working very, very hard on revamping some things and and getting it right to where we want it to be. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, So this is basically a little bit of a special. We're going to talk about something on this episode. That's right. We are addressing Motley Crue. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you guys to please, if you can, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps out tremendously. Apple has an algorithm with their shows. So the more five-star reviews we get, the better it is for the show to open more doors for the show to get more sponsors, to just get us up in the rankings. It's not something normally I would give two craps about, but it helps out the show in the long run. And hopefully having people invest money into the show to maybe get it to where it needs to be and get it rocking and rolling so we can cover everything metal and rock related as we always do for you guys. So if you could, even if you... Don't use iTunes to listen to the podcast. If you have an Apple account, because obviously if you have an iPhone or whatever, just go right into the iTunes app that automatically comes with your Apple phone and uh, look up the show, Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. You can write whatever you want on there, right? Apple sucks or Samsung sucks or, or, you know, we love ice cream. You know, hey, me too. That's all we ask for. All right. As I said, this is a special, special edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in while we get ready for season four. Today, we are talking about Motley Crue. That's right. There's a lot of drama in the crew camp. So without further ado, let's get started. It's time for Rock and Metal News, presented by Eddie Monster. All right, like I said, we're talking about Motley Crue on today's episode. Uh, and for those of you who are just joining us, I'm your host, Eddie Monster, of course. And uh, one of my favorite bands in the whole wide world has always been Motley Crue. I have been a fan of that band for as long as I can possibly remember. I know my uh, older brother was such a huge, huge fan at the time. By the time I was born, uh, Motley Crue was huge by 1983, and I was born in 82. So I would like to think that I was a fan since I was one. I would like to think that. Uh, Quite possibly it could be true. I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, I followed Motley Crue's career. I've seen the band like four or five times live. I've owned every album on cassette, CD, vinyl, uh, you name it. I've I've been a, I've been a super fan. So I don't remember if it was this year or if it was late last year, but I believe it was this year. We saw that John Five was not present at Rob Zombie shows. We saw that he was absent. He wasn't a part of the group. So speculations started going through saying that he was done with Zombie. Okay. And then the speculating started happening that he was possibly joining Motley Crue. Right. 
He was going to be Motley Crue's new guitarist. Mick Mars was going to be... We didn't quite know. We figured it was a retirement thing. That's what we figured. We figured maybe Mick is retiring from touring because obviously he's got that horrific disease um, that I believe as he likes to call it, it's like having... It's like pouring quick cement on your on your spine. And I believe the way you say it is ankylosing spondylitis is basically what, what Mick has. So that speculation started going through, and they were trying to say no at times, but then eventually the announcement was made. Mick announces his retirement. Motley Crue accepts the retirement announcement, moves on. And John Five is then introduced as the new live guitarist for Motley Crue. As you remember, a representative said Mick Mars, co-founder and lead guitarist of uh, Motley Crue for the past 41 years, has announced today that due to his ongoing painful struggle with ankylosing spondylitis, he will no longer be able to tour with the band. Mick will continue as a member of the band, but can no longer handle the rigors of the road. AS is extremely painful and a crippling degenerative disease, which affects the spine. So then Motley Crue issued this statement saying, while change is never easy, we accept Mick's decision to retire from the band due to his challenges with health. We have watched Mick manage his ankylosing spondylitis for decades, and he's always managed it with utmost courage and grace. To say enough is enough is the ultimate act of courage. Mick's sound helped define Motley Crue from the minute he plugged in his guitar at our very first rehearsal together. The rest, as they say, is history. We will continue to honor his musical legacy. We will carry out Mick's wish and continue to tour the world as planned in 2023. No doubt it will take an absolutely outstanding musician to fill Mick's shoes. So we are grateful that our good friend John Five has agreed to come on board and join us moving forward. We'll see all you crew heads out there on the road. So that was the understanding, right? Okay, boom, you know, Mick releases a statement. Motley Crue releases a statement. Everything is is kosher. But then all of a sudden there's uh there's some rumblings happening out there, right? Carmine Apathy starts saying some things. You know what I mean? He starts talking some garbage towards Nikki Six, saying that Mick was very unhappy. Mick feels that he was screwed. And Nikki tried responding, saying we don't know what this this has been is talking about so on and so forth that starts this thing well then the bomb gets dropped on us okay and mick files a lawsuit against motley crew which was like whoa did carmine apathy really know what he was talking about and he must he's got to talk to mick you know what i mean has to so was he talking shit or was he talking the truth so we get this lawsuit, and according to TMZ, apparently Mars claims that he told Motley Crue that he would always be available to record music with the band, but to do very limited uh, performances. So Mars claims that his profits in the group was cut from 25% 
to 5%, which is obviously, it's normal. There's four members, 25% each member. Uh, and I would assume probably that 20% is going to John 5. That's what I would assume. And uh, he's claiming that the band's lawyers made him feel like he should be grateful for even that small cut because they didn't feel they owed him anything at all. And that Motley Crue unilaterally, un, unilaterally excuse me, uh, chose to remove him from the band, basically. And uh, this might be the worst of the worst of what Mars is claiming. If this is true, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see this about Nikki, but apparently he gaslighted him and told him that basically, so what they mean is that basically Nikki told him, dude, you're, you're not remembering your, your stuff. Like what the hell's going on? Are you not there in the head right now? Like you're playing the wrong songs, bro. And always telling him he was playing the wrong notes. He can never play the right songs during their, uh, I believe it's their farewell tour. Because this is what they're all talking about, um, apparently, in this in this whole argument. And then, in obvious anger, Mars then claims, well, dude, first of all, Nikki didn't play a single fucking note the whole entire tour. Everything was pre-recorded. That's what he claims. And, you know, he goes on and saying, you know, I'll just read you some of the quotes. So this is this is courtesy of Variety. So how did Mars's brothers of 41 years respond to Mars's tragic announcement about quitting the road? They noticed an emergency. I think that what they tried to say is they did an emergency shareholders meeting for the man's for the band's main corporate entity in order to throw Mars out of the band, to fire him as a director of the corporation, to fire him as an officer of the corporation, and to take away his shares of the corporation. When he did not go away quietly, they purported to fire him from six additional band corporations and LLCs. During much of the band's recent tenure, Six continuously gaslighted Mars by telling him that he, meaning McMars, had some sort of cognitive dysfunction and that his guitar playing was subpar, claiming that Mars forgot chords and sometimes started playing the wrong songs. And uh, they go on to say in this, I just had it. Astonishingly, astonishingly Six made these claims about Mars's playing while he, meaning Six, did not play a single note on bass during the entire U.S. tour. Ironically, 100% of Six's bass parts were nothing but recordings. Six was seen fist-pumping in the air with this strumming hand while the bass parts were being played, which is kind of crazy. In fact, a significant portion of Vince Neil's vocals were also pre-recorded. Even some of Tommy Lee's drum parts were recordings. Some fans actually noticed that Lee was walking towards his drum set as they heard his drum part begin. Mars at times on the tour did play the wrong chords, but not due to any cognitive dysfunction. 
He was playing live and his in-ear monitors were constantly malfunctioning, causing Mars to be unable to hear his own instrument. The fact is that Mars is rarely mocked or criticized online. He is a quiet member of the group who shows up to play and puts his heart and soul into each performance. Conversely, other band members are often criticized online, particularly Neil, who's routinely torn to shreds for, among other things, not remembering the songs. We could also say that he sounds like shit. I mean, let's be honest. And it's like my brother once said, Vince Neil was never a good vocalist. Um, but nonetheless, so that's that's what they said. That was that was uh, an excerpt from it. So yeah, this is kind of crazy stuff, and he's not lying. I mean, I've heard the reports too. Heard the things here and there. I didn't want to believe it, obviously, but uh, it's crazy to think. And and not to mention, and that's a thing. If you're gonna gaslight Mick Mars, obviously. Motley Crue knows that you can't have Motley Crue without Vince Neil. So the easy target is the guy struggling with his health. And you can easily claim anything. Like, dude, you're playing like shit. Like, all right, sorry, boom, see you later. Because, you know, we can replace you with another badass guitar player who can play. But you can't quite. Like, meaning Vince Neil, because it's Vince Neil. But one of the things, you know, that I have to kind of agree, I've been reading some chatter online, and obviously Bob Daisley spoke up at one point and said that back in 1984, when Motley Crue was on tour with with Ozzy Osbourne, they tried to fire Mick Mars then, and he convinced them otherwise. And this caught Mars' attention. Like, really, dude? Like, I know, like, in the 90s and shit, late 80s and 90s, you were trying to get rid of me. I didn't realize it went all the way back to that, you know? And that was kind of his attitude about that, Um, which which is fucking crazy, man, you know, to think. And I have to agree with a lot of guys. Mars, and I have to agree, and this is Bob Daisley, Mars was Motley Crue's sound. Whether they wanted to admit it or not, he was Motley Crue from day one. And if you watch The Dirt, Mars is not wrong when he says he created the Motley Crue name. Because apparently in the movie, it's in the movie, they hand them, like, they tell, all right, we need to choose a name. And Mars says, well, Xmas is, like, you know, lame. And just say, come on, man, it's all about shock value. And these Mars is like, yeah, I'm shocked at how much it sucks. So he's like, all right, you guys come up with something better, right? You all remember that line in that movie. And then all of a sudden, Mick is the only one because I think Tommy wanted to call the band the Foreskins. Vince didn't have anything, which is not surprising. And Mick was the one that came out with Motley Crue, but it was C-R-E-W. And then Nikki tweaked it, added the dots, um, I forget what those are called. Excuse me, my ignorance. Um, and then changed it to U and E instead of E W. So, but if that's the case, then Mick is Motley Crue. And you know, I've always been, you know, uh, 
I've criticized Motley Crue plenty of times. I've seen them live plenty of times, and I've Vince is always one that I criticize a lot because you know it sounds like he's mumbling the lyrics, and it's I think it's I think he's out of gas. I don't think it's it's him not remembering the songs. I just think he's out of gas at that point. It's kind of like Rob Zombie. I've seen Rob Zombie, and he'll do the same thing. Like he'll only say certain lines to a song. And he won't mention the whole song. Whereas back in the day when I saw him in 99, dude, he sang the whole thing, right? And it's it comes with age. You get a little gassed. These guys don't realize, man, when you're, like, creating songs and you're going 100 miles an hour, like, dude, when you're 60, yeah, you can't really do that shit anymore. All right, so we're going to take a small little break. When we come back, it'll be more on Motley Crue. We'll have Nikki Six's response to everything. All right, we're back. So we're talking about Motley Crue here. And so we've heard Mick's side of the story and what Mick's had to say through the statements and this and this and that. Uh, Here's what Motley Crue had to say. So Motley Crue obviously issues a statement of their own. Apparently they spoke to Loudwire. And this is what they told Loudwire. Uh, Mick's lawsuit is unfortunate and completely off base. In 2008, Mick voted for and signed an agreement in which he and every other band member agreed that in no event shall any resigning shareholder be entitled to receive any monies attributable to live performance, example given, tours. After the last tour, Mick publicly resigned from Motley Crue despite the fact that the band did not owe Mick anything. And with Mick owing the band millions in advances that he did not pay back, the band offered Mick a generous compensation package to honor his career with the band. Manipulated by his manager and lawyer, Mick refused and chose to file this ugly public lawsuit. Equally unfortunate are his claims about the band's live performances. Motley Crue always performs its songs live, but during the last tour, Mick struggled to remember chords, played the wrong songs, and made constant mistakes, which led to his departure from the band. There are multiple declarations from the band's crew attesting to his decline, which are attached. The band did everything to protect him, tried to keep these matters private, to honor Mick's legacy and take the high road. Unfortunately, Mick chose to file this lawsuit to badmouth the band. The band feels empathy for Mick, wishes him well, and hopes that he can get better guidance from his advisors who are driven by greed. All right, so there you go. There's what Motley Crue has had to say. So basically they're saying, listen, man, we didn't want to air anything out. But apparently you want to air shit out, so we're going to air shit out. And that's kind of how they're going. Do I agree with it? I mean, it's tit for tat, right? If you're going to say something, I'm going to say something. This is just how ugly it gets. Unfortunately, these are things that were not, you know... uh, Let me just read this. So... Apparently, there was another statement that was given to Loudwire, and it was provided by uh, their production manager, Robert Long. 
And here's what he said about mixed performances. He says they're unworkable and very difficult to manage. And that he would constantly forget chords and songs so the band would have to stop and reteach those parts to Mick to remind him of the arrangements. So this is according to Robert Long, who obviously you could sit there and say, well, you know what, Robert Long has um, has some interest in this. Obviously, he's still working for Motley Crue, so why wouldn't he, right? You could say that. You could go that route and take that route and say, well, you know what, he works for fucking Motley Crue, so why not, right? He's going to say shit, you know, versus if he wasn't working for Motley Crue, would he even say that? You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, and of course, the response back is basically Mick talking with Variety, saying how Motley Crue has tried to replace them their whole career. Um, Here's what he said. Yes, exactly. Things get twisted around sometimes from other band members. I don't really know if I should say this, but those guys have been hammering on me since 1987 trying to replace me they haven't been able to do that because i'm the guitar player i helped form this band it's my name i came up with and he's talking about the motley crew moniker my ideas my money that i had from a backer to start this band it wouldn't have gone anywhere and then to be hearing stuff from people like bob daisley from ozzy osbourne's band when we were touring with them and carmine apathy you know, so on and so forth. And it talks about, you know, obviously Daisy uh, wrote a book in 2014 and he recounts this conversation with uh, other members of Motley Crue talking about the tour in 1984. And uh, Daisy apparently retold the story uh, like four months ago to Blabbermouth. And uh, the th- uh, I'm trying to remember if this is... So they the thing they... That they keep pushing for many years is that I have a bad memory. And that's full blown out of proportion crap. Around 2012, when they first started saying that my memory was bad and I didn't remember the songs, I came home and saw all my doctors because I keep myself together because I'm an old bastard. This is Mick, by the way. They had all the 10th Street people there from the band's management, probably about five or six people, versus all my doctors going. There's nothing wrong with him. And now they're still playing that game with me. So no, the truth is I want to retire from touring because of my AS, again, ankylosing spondylitis, which to remind you is an inflammatory arthritic disease that causes vertebrae to fuse. I don't have a problem remembering the songs. I don't have a problem with any of that stuff, but I do have a problem with them constantly the whole time Telling me that I lost my memory. No, wrong. That's wrong. Absolutely wrong. But my stupid body is telling me, no, don't do that, meaning staying on the road. You know, I'm going to be 72 years old, and I've been touring with these guys for 41 years, helping build the brand, helping do this and that. And, you, and you're served with papers and going, this is crazy. This is stupid. I mean, come on. Right? And... uh Here's what he had to say about um, apparently it's it's uh, 25% touring income going down five, 7.5% if he signs off on future interests. He says it's an insult. 
and that he's sick and tired of the hazing, the gaslighting, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so. This is the part that I was like, you know, I was like so surprised because, you know, when you open up a can of worms, it just gets worse and worse. And believe me, there is no reconciliation. These guys, he's 72 years old, man. He is not looking to reconcile with Motley Crue. He's basically saying, listen, I'm fucking old as dirt. All right. I'm not getting back on the road. You know that. So it's not like I'm going to be sitting there and recant anything and apologize for anything because now you want to fuck with me. Well, now I'm going to mess with you, right? And I invite any member of Motley Crue. This is out there. I invite any member of Motley Crue, right, whether it be Mick Mars, whether it be Tommy Lee, Nikki Six, or Vince Neil, you can all come on the show. We can talk about it. And you can explain why you're not being childish, right? Either side, right? But Mick offers a better argument, in my opinion. Because here's a guy with almost nothing to lose, right? The only thing he is fighting for is to get properly paid, okay? He's not looking to get back into the business, of touring. He's not. He's done with that. He's been done with it. That's why he retired from the road. He wants to get paid. This is my fucking band. I had 25% stake in this band because fuck you. I was a member of Motley Crue from day fucking one. And that's what he's saying. Okay. But here is where Mick does the mic drop. In my opinion, this is Mick's mic drop right here, and I'm going to read it to you because it's amazing. It's interesting and good for Mick for standing up for himself. All right, that's an insult to me that they're offering me that. No, it's my name. It's Mick Mars. It's Motley Crue. The four of us made that band. You would have to have a good reason to be fired. I don't. I could come back with this and go like, hey, you know what? I'm going to counter... Because you assholes are felons. You, Lee, for spousal abuse. You, Neil, for manslaughter. Okay, six has only been convicted of misdemeanors and not felonies. But I'm not doing that. It just makes me really upset that they want to try and bully me more or less out of the ban. So it's the last man standing that collects everything. And if there's any real justice to it, I'd be the one that would be the only one that has no criminal record. I'm pure. I'm clean as a freshly washed baby. And he's laughing as he's saying this. I haven't done anything. And these guys have all gone over the top. Heroin addicts. On and on and on and on. Six has spoken often about overdosing and being clinically dead for two minutes in 1987. He's subsequently written about his sobriety. And I'm... Being beat up mentally. I'm already physically ruined. But the hazing, the gaslighting, and all that stuff. When they tell me that I'm losing my mind and I'm this, that, and the other. Oh my God. What's the matter with you guys? You're the felons, not me. In my defense, laughing again. Hey, 
should be pointing those fingers towards themselves. I think they meant to say they should be pointing those fingers towards themselves, not me. That's my opinion. You can't be fired from your own company unless you do something horribly bad, like be a felon. That's mean, but sorry. You know, and it's basically it's like he's saying, sorry, not sorry, right? And he's talking about basically, you know, that, um, you know, it, it, it's getting ridiculous. And, and even John Karabi, all right, who you guys remember was the vocalist for a minute uh, in Motley Crue, is kind of saying that he thinks... He thinks it's 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 a little deeper, and he's always uh, thought this because he's a Mick Mars retirement denier, right? He thinks that things are a little deeper than that. So they asked him. It's this podcast called Life in the Stocks, and it was an interview with John, and he was asked if he had an opinion, basically about. You know the the shakeup in Motley Crue, and he goes, "I will just say this: I know John Five. He's brilliant, and I cannot say brilliant loud enough. He's a brilliant guitar player and a great dude. But the verdict for me is out until I hear a statement from Mick. The statement that we heard was put together by Motley and their people, and I'm not totally sure I believe what they're saying. So I'll just leave it at that. But he would go on to elaborate." On his comment saying, I don't totally believe Mick's reasons for leaving Motley. I don't even know if he left Motley. I believe maybe he was shown the door. Because as long as I can remember, fuck, when we were doing the Generation Swine record, they were complaining about his guitar playing then. And if you really look at all the records they've done since then, the majority of the guitars in the Swine record, which is one of the reasons why I sued the guys, are mine. They were complaining about Mick the whole fucking time, and I don't know if he played on New Tattoo. I'm not sure, but I know on Red, right and Crew, Red White, and Crew, it was DJ Ashba. On States of Los Angeles, it was DJ Ashba. And on the Dirt soundtrack, it was John Five. He goes on to say, I don't know. I could be totally wrong about this, so don't run around and fucking whatever put it in print yet, which is... Uh, basically what happened i'm just saying i'm waiting for mixed response the one we've all heard came from motley and their management so yeah i mean listen even john karabi knows that something's up you know what i mean this 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 goes a little deeper than what we're we're led to believe right and i mean there you go i mean he's saying look at the look at some of the later records he sued Motley Crue because Generation Swine was his guitar playing. He's, he's saying on New Tattoo, that was somebody else. He was saying on Saints of Los Angeles, somebody else. The Dirt, somebody else. You know, basically DJ Ashba, yada, 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 John Five, yada, yada, yada. So there you go, right? It goes a little deeper. And then if Bob Daisley is saying, dude, they were trying to fire him in 1984, bro. It's just fucked up. Because here's the thing. When you think about Motley Crue, yeah, this, I'll admit. When I was a kid, 
when I thought of Motley Crue, dude, I thought of, of Vince Neil and Tommy Lee. I just thought they were like, I just thought Vince was a god at the time when I was a kid. And I just thought Tommy Lee was like the one band member you wanted to hang out with. You know, he looked like he was that cool of a dude that you're like, fuck, I want to hang out with that dude. Right. And then later on, as I became a teenager, it was Nikki Six for me, dude. That was like fucking Nikki Six, man. Probably one of the coolest bass players. And his story after I read The Dirt was an unbelievable story, right? But in reality, when you think of Motley Crue and you think of the Motley Crue sound, who is it? It's fucking Mick Mars, man. That's who it is. And we're constantly, constantly, constantly disrespecting this guy. And I remember we would make jokes. It's like, oh, you know, look, Motley Crue's rolling out the corpse to play on stage. And that's it's unfortunate that we ever said that, you know. And I, and I heard a bunch of people say that, uh, especially when I saw them in 2005 and uh, 2006, I believe. That was one of my favorite tours. It was the uh, Carnival of Sins tour. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, that's a thing. So this is going to be a fun thing to see how it's played out because there's just so much more that is going to be coming out of this. And I used to do a segment on my blog on moshpitsandmovies.wordpress.com called uh, it would always be like a criminal case, like, you know, like, oh, you know, this versus this, you know, uh, when metal bands when metal bands fight, I believe is what it was, what the segment was called. And this is definitely one of those segments. So this is the first ever when metal bands fight on podcast form. And we're talking about Motley Crue here. So basically all Mick is fighting for at the end of the day is to be able to see the books. He wants to see the books and he wants to make sure that that he's not being screwed in any way, shape, or form out of any money that could possibly be owed to him. And like I said before... Like I said a couple minutes ago, three or four minutes ago, he's got nothing to lose. He's already out. This man already knows that he's not returning. So what does he have to lose? And fact of the matter is, if Motley Crue were good guys and they were loyal and so on and so forth, I remember you got to remember these are the guys that in 1985 almost replaced Vince Neil with Stephen Piercy. That was going to happen. Okay, these are the same guys that ostracized Vince Neil for years, right? Until when it came time to record Generation Swine with vocals, all of a sudden Nikki in the, in the dirt explains, "Oh man, I was such a douchebag. Like I can't believe I treated Vince like this." You know, yada yada yada. So enough has to be enough already with these guys. Like, figure it the fuck out. You know. And just let the man see the books. Pay the man what he's due. If he's due it, let it get paid. Because at the end of the day, this could be dragged out. And this could get even uglier and even uglier as time goes on. And who knows, you know, if it comes time for... I'm not saying... I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sucks as it is. We already know it sucks. Really fucking bad. So we already know that. And, and if that ever does happen... You know, you want to see at least it get resolved. 
You know, you don't want this to be a kiss situation where fucking Ace and, and Peter Chris are basically ostracized from kiss ever existing. You know what I mean? So so obviously it remains to be seen what happens. Uh, my ruling, my final ruling for right now until we get more information is that we need to hear m- more about what's in the books because what's fair is fair. I say you pay Mick what he's looking for and Motley Crue can continue on uh, since they're making so much money on the stadium tour and since they're doing so much. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, I've got some uh, final words, something from KK Downing on this whole situation and then, uh, yeah, but right now we're going to check out a track. That's right. Since we're talking about Motley Crue, I figured why not? Uh, this is a badass death metal cover of one of my favorite Motley Crue songs of all time. Uh, if you don't have Shout at the Devil, Shout at the Devil might be Motley Crue's greatest album uh, that they ever made, in my opinion. I know people will lean towards Dr. Feelgood or, or whatever, but Shout at the Devil was a solid solid record uh from these guys at the height of metal uh becoming a thing in the 80s so we're checking this out this is revenge beast these guys are badass they're signed to upstate records they're a death metal band and they and if you're a fan of obituary dying fetus suffocation of soul fly you're definitely going to want to check these guys out So they did a cover of Motley Crue's Bastard, and we got it for you guys right here. And it features Mark Rizzo, who is also a huge, huge Motley Crue fan and a huge fan, actually, of Shot at the Devil as well. So without further ado, here they are. This is Revenge Beast, and this is Bastard right here on Pedal to the Metal.
All right, welcome back, everybody. So, as I said, KK Downing uh, recently sent an audio message to Blabbermouth and basically said that he sympathized with Motley Crue guitarist Mick Mars, uh, saying he kind of went through the same thing. And But his situation was a little different. So, apparently, KK's situation with Judas Priest was that he says the band was afraid of the fact that they thought Rob Halford was going to go on on his own again. Uh, because in 2010, if you remember, Rob was was doing the Halford thing again. He had done OzFest. So that was his thing. But here's what he says. I do sympathize with Mick because I'm going through exactly the same thing. And it's pretty unsavory to say the least. After spending a lifetime building the band's name, reputation, popularity, and value, in particular, particular brand name, it should be all right for people to retire, especially through illness. In my case, we were gearing up in 2010 to do a final world tour, the Epitaph Tour, which was meant to be the end of the band. And because I was having pressure put on me to write for uh, for an EP to support that tour, <clears throat> excuse me, which I was absolutely was not going to be any part of, I certainly didn't want to finish my career with an EP. So I threw the towel in. And sent a retirement letter in. And that's when he goes on to explain, you know, like um, his whole thing saying there was a whole set of circumstances for me not doing the final tour. And one of the main considerations was we were getting ready. We were getting to be concerned about Rob and we thought that he was gearing up ready to leave the band again. Because in 2010, when all this was going on, the planning of the farewell tour and finishing the band, the justification was that Rob pretty much within 12 months of 2010, had released two studio albums with his own band and had done a world tour, including OzFest. And we were very much thinking that Rob, with his own manager, would go separate ways again, and that was another serious consideration. I really wanted to mention that because it really wasn't the band I was leaving. It was just I decided not to do the farewell final tour of the band because that's what we all agreed, and that's what was intended to happen. So essentially, my decision was just not to do the final tour of the band. Of course, I didn't know the band would continue at the time right up until today. Otherwise, things and decisions may have may well have been different. But as I said, I sympathize with Mick because the circumstances between the two of us seem to be pretty much, well, identical. So there you go. But he did, you know, it, it is worth... Definitely, definitely worth mentioning that KK did rejoin Judas Priest for the Rock Hall uh, induction. So things may not be that bad. They still might be. But uh, nonetheless, we love you, Mick. We love everything you've ever done for Motley Crue. Again, my final verdict being that. Uh, we're going to try to do these special episodes every once in a while where we kind of break down things like this. We're going to try. Uh, but stay tuned. For season four, when that happens, we're going to try to revamp some things to get the show going. Uh, again, leave some five-star reviews. That helps so much on Apple iTunes. Uh, it helps the podcast out so, so much. So please, if you could, leave us some five-star reviews. We would love you, love you, love you, love you. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time. <laughs>